Welcome to The Drummer's Pathway, the podcast about music, life, and the creative process. Hello, I'm Michael Scott, and welcome to The Drummer's Pathway podcast. As artists, regardless of the creative medium we choose to embrace, we can often look back throughout our lives and clearly remember what first inspired us. There is a joy in this initial discovery that pushes us to seek opportunities to participate and explore, but as we work to develop our skills, we often begin to lose our focus. As we continue to explore our creative paths, it's essential that we always revisit what first inspired our journeys and never lose that joy in order to maintain our creative passions. On this episode, my guest is drummer Ben Caesar. Originally based in New Jersey, Ben went on to study at the renowned Berkeley College of Music in Boston. After college, he made the decision to move to Nashville, and in 1999, he auditioned for and got the gig as the studio and touring drummer for country artist Brad Paisley, which is a position he has now held for over two decades. Ben has also established himself as a respected educator and remains committed to pursuing a high level of excellence in all aspects of his life and career. In our interview, we talk about the value of being open to criticism and why embracing these challenges can only make you better. We also discuss the realities and challenges of social media and why it's essential to never forget the importance of living a balanced life by exploring many different paths. Let's get started. Ben, it's an absolute pleasure for me to get a chance to connect with you today. I've been a huge fan of your work for oh, years. Thanks. I'm traditionally not someone that's followed the country genre a lot. But over the last few years, I've been really intrigued by the high level of musicianship, both in terms of the drummers and the guitar players that I've been checking out. And one of my first intros to this was really the work of Brad Paisley, of which is a position that you have held since 1999. I have had a chance to see you perform live on a number of occasions, and it's always quite the spectacle. And oh, the cool. band and the band is always uh, solid and entertaining. And I've just I've been a huge fan of your playing for years. Oh, man. Jeez. Thank you. What a nice thing to say. You're based out of Nashville now, but you're originally from New Jersey. Yeah. So what sparked the change? Well, I mean, there, it, it, from my perspective, there wasn't a change. You know, I just flowed agnostically, you, you know, like water through the path of least resistance. No, nothing changed. I, I just I was following music where it took me and it took me here. You know, it wasn't I guess the the origin of that question is rooted in some kind of like, oh, well, you know, New Jersey isn't known for for in, in a genre sense for country music, especially where, where you know, I grew up in the 70s and 80s, mm -hmm. um, you know, but believe it or not, there was some exposure there. My father was uh, who was like a you know, he, he was kind of a hard guy from the Bronx in New York, but he loved um, he loved like, you, you know, Hank Sr. and Flatten Scruggs and Johnny Cash. He has all these old bluegrass and 
country records. He, and he, you know, he had a banjo and, you know, this is a guy who was an airplane mechanic in the, in, 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 uh, you know, in the, uh, in the, in the sixties or in the fifties rather, you know? Um, and, uh, so I had a little exposure there, but, but that's not what I was really into growing up. You know, I was, I was into all the rock stuff. Uh, and then I went up to Boston, uh, you know, to Berkeley up there. And I met my, my, one of my best friends. And when that ended, you know, if you're smart, you get out of Boston, you know, if you not, not, uh, let me rephrase that. Boston's a wonderful place. If you're, if you're smart and you about, where you want your career to end up. Sorry, I, I you know, I want to speak uh, accurately because Boston's a wonderful place and there is a music scene there, but it's just, it's local. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, it's not a, a brand name city for, you, you, you know, for it's, it, it's not an industry hub, right? So you have to get out, right? If you, if you want to go farther than the local Boston scene. Um, and so, my buddy and I were we were going to move to New York because that was a hub for sure, an industry hub. And uh, we were going to move there with some guys uh, that we had a band with. And two of the guys bailed. You know, they, they found girlfriends or other gigs. And it was just me and Dylan, my friend. And we were like, well, we're, what do we do? You know, and we, we again, following the path of least resistance, we we. We had a friend and one friend in Nashville who was like, man, come here. It's it's a music hub. It's it's not really a rock kind of thing yet. And it really wasn't, you know, and uh, um, but there was sort of an all like an alt scene brewing, you know. And uh, so we, we moved there because it was it was easier. We had a, we had a connection. Uh, we you know, the cost of living was cheaper. Nashville was an underdog city. You know, Nashville was like. Uh, you know, no one even really heard or thought much about Nashville anywhere else in the country. It wasn't even on anyone's mind. Um, and so I like those odds. I like, you know, it's like it's like buying low and selling high. Mm -hmm. You know, I was buying we, we were buying low by moving to Nashville, which was sort of untapped, you know, and I, I that uh, that was the thing that really made me go yeah let's do it because it was it was you know it was so beneath the radar and and uh but still an industry hub right and i was like let, i'll roll the dice and go there you know and so that's all that happened and then uh, to me and to kind of get back to the original question is what changed it's just genres are genres um for me i just I just I'm happy playing it if I'm on my drums and I'm playing music with good people that's all I need it's all one genre to me kind of it you know in a philosophical sense you, you know obviously you can break it down but but it never mattered to me what what I was playing it, it was just like who I was playing with and was it a good thing you know so well, yeah. and one of the things that I've heard you discuss in other interviews is that you were seeking the joy of playing music with good people. That's you, right. You weren't seeking to become a huge star, a huge celebrity. You weren't seeking specifically the fame aspect. You were looking for success, 
but yeah. but the main thing that you were seeking was the joy of playing music that because that's your- attainable yes because that's something i know i can do right i mean the other things I can do, but there's a lot of ifs, uh, you know, I, I'm just, I'm so pragmatic that like I, even my dreams, my dreams, I, I didn't, you know, I had dreams, but, but I put those in a box and, and let them sort of be there. And, and I, cause I can't control a certain aspect. And, and I, you know, I know there's a lot of people that try to reverse engineer success at, you know at a high level and try to come up with a formula and just oh you, you know what it is just do these three things uh in this order and be this kind of person and you know poof you'll have success eh, i mean i'm sorry i just it doesn't it, it doesn't work that way it's not formulaic it, it's just not you know and if anyone's selling you a, a formula for it it's it's it, you know it's good for the person selling it, but it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it's, it's not a, a prescription you can take. It's, you, you know, and so. Yeah. Well, yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll sell you the steps. What they don't include is the steps that didn't work. So right. really, so really what you want to do is you want to share the story. And I find myself, one of the things that I've really gotten out of doing these interviews is that I'm interested in sometimes the things that didn't go the way that you planned, because oh, the, those are the things that actually kind of build your character and help you right. over, overcome those, those challenges. And, and you learn, and- you, you learn more from there. I don't look at them as failures. You, you, you learn more from the things that were challenges and learning how to overcome those. And that's what builds you as a character and helps build your career. And I don't have a problem calling them failures uh, because that's, for me, that's what, I, I don't want to say, define it for anybody else, but for me, there were failures. There, there's no other way to put it. You know, you you try something, you fall flat on your face. I don't have a polite word for that. You know, it's it's a failure, and and it's okay. That the, the the thing is to take the uh, the negative connotation of, away from that, because just like you said, every it's not about the failure. It's about well, what kind of constitution do you have? Can you pull yourself up from failure? Um, how tough is your skin? Well, I've been falling down and getting back up since I was a child. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was already hardwired for that. You know. Um, God, in college, I mean, there was so much. I had teachers, some of them were just like downright mean. Like you could never say the things to students now that teachers said to, you know, there'd be a lawsuit, you know, there'd be an uproar. I mean, I had a teacher say, like, is literally after playing something in a class, just, I didn't think it was that bad, but he, he was just like, yeah, if you if if your goal is to never play outside of your garage, that's perfect. That's what he's, you know what I mean? And with a face that was just like, you know, and I've just walked away like, oh wow, he's just that that god, I am garbage. Uh well, okay. Instead of getting angry about it, I was just like, oh, well, let me and, and this is this is one of the things that I think helped me for success is my wiring in that in the face of criticism, even like mean criticism, I, I event, yeah, I might be mad at first, but eventually I will think about that criticism and go, okay, where's the truth in that? Maybe, maybe I do suck. 
you know, or maybe I do have things to work on. You know, I've told this story, too. When I first got the gig with Brad, you know, our steel player at the time, Jim, he was an old veteran, you know, of, of country. He was on his way out as we were just starting. And he knew he was like an encyclopedia of music. He knew of country music. He knew every nuance, every he just he knew it. And he came, we would have our long bus rides and we'd be in the back of the bus and, and this was all new and I'm bright eyed. I'm like, oh my God. And he's just like tired smoking a cigarette. He's like, son, you're a good player, but you don't know shit about this music. You, you, you know, and I think in, in this day and age, I think people, you know, everyone's so connected to their outrage that it would just be like, eh, fuck you, you know, you'd have a fight, you have a fist fight, you know, and we just, and, and no, the way I'm wired, and, and this is part of the part of success no one talks about, mm-hmm. uh, is, is instead of getting angry at him for saying something mean, I, I, I understood that what he was saying was actually out of kindness. He, he wasn't, he wasn't telling, he wasn't being mean or telling me I was bad. He he was honestly saying, look, you, you've got, you have a raw ability, but in this genre, you don't know the language. You don't know the nuance. You're, you're, you're reading from a, you're trying to communicate uh, haphazardly. And, 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 and he meant it in a kind way, um, even though the words weren't kind. Mm-hmm. Or didn't seem kind, and and I took that and I went and bought every country music CD I could buy and listen, not just played to it, but listen as a fan, not as a player, and to see what would absorb through osmosis. And I discovered the beauty in the music, and it wasn't just the drumming; it was the lyrics, it was the the song structure, the sentiment, the heart, the soul of it. You know, and I was like wow, this is a beautiful genre of music. And then I just became a fan naturally, not because Brad needed to me, not because Jim was hard on me at the back, in the back of the bus. I just like, I just needed that nudge. And then I did the rest of the work. And then slowly I became more convincing when playing that music. And, and that was a pinnacle to, you know, to, to staying with Brad, because I, I think Brad recognized it too that that you know because he he liked things about my playing obviously i got the gig um i was good at listening to him he likes to jam he likes to take things out and i i follow him and i i, I match his energy musically whether he's up or down and, and and he liked that but but i still didn't quite have the uh the dialect the exact you, you know um inflection and if I hadn't taken that workload on, I don't know that I would have lasted, you know? So there's an empathy. It's not about me. I, I listened to Brad's heroes, right? I was like, oh, well, who are Brad's guys? And then, oh, the, you know, a whole other world opened up, you, you know? And all of this from what would what would seem like, you know, a mean guy. And, and so to me, that's what, that's how I found success was, was to just 
you know, listen to everything, whether it was good or bad, uh, as far as what people had to say about me, you know. And you're not going to necessarily love everything that you're exposed to, but I find if you're open-minded and, yeah. and you embrace the opportunities to explore with an open mind, then you're going to find little elements in this stuff that you pick up that you start to incorporate in your own playing. And I find for me, like there might be styles that I've played in the past that I can get through, but mm. they're not a lot of fun to play. And then one day I'll sort of put the time in to develop a better understanding in terms of the fundamentals. And then now when I get to play these styles, they're joyful to play because now it's it's not a chore. It's something that I've now embraced. I, I'm, I play a lot of blues gigs and I really love the genre. And I used to not really love traditional old blues stuff. But then I took a lesson um, with someone that was a master of these styles. And in addition to teaching me the different feels, they sent me a link to all of the different original artists that uh, that these feels were applicable to. So then I went back and I listened to stuff I never really would have spent time listening to before, but I listened to it in a new context because I suddenly now had a list of the feels and I could start to understand why music feels a certain way because people love music because how it, of how it makes them feel and they know if something really isn't speaking to them a certain way so I think you need to have the respect to at least embrace the opportunities that you have so along that lines Years ago, in the early days of social media, back to MySpace, which isn't around anymore, I actually reached out to you and I'd sent you a message and I said, look, I'm a drummer, has a rock background. I know that you have a rock background, but you have gone through and you've gotten into the, the country genre and you've learned from a lot of these experiences. I had asked you for some suggestions in terms of places to start. And mm. you actually sent me a really long response back and you had said, I generally am so busy, I don't have time to always respond to these messages, but I felt that your message was worthy of a response. And you gave me some really good listening advice in terms of what to listen to. You, you gave me some suggestions in terms of different things. And the thing that you said to me that I found really interesting was, one of the things that you really need to embrace is learning how to play ballads because that's one of the things that most people generally find to be a challenge particularly in almost any sort of genre so i took the list that you sent me and i went through and i expanded my listening and it really just gave me a new appreciation for the power of the simplicity and a lot of this music so this is going back a long time ago but i really appreciate Sure. your encouragement and the fact that you took it took the time to respond to that. I vaguely remember that because um for what's funny and this is just a pro tip uh for 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 me and most of my uh peers it, you know ever we all get a ton of questions and and it's yeah it's hard to answer them all but it's not so much uh, what the question is, but how it's phrased that makes me, if it's just like, you know, a lot of people ask questions and they're very expectant. They, they, they come out in the DMs as if, you know, I've known them my whole life. And it's just like, hey, bro, why are you doing this? Tell, I, I'm moving, bro, why are you move? I'm moving to Nashville. What do I got to do? You know, but it's like, yeah, you got to, 
it's too much bro energy. Like just, you, you must've come at me in, in, in a, like to me, when someone asks a question in that way, they don't seem, they're not curious. They're just sort of, there's, I, I just respond. You must've sounded genuinely curious about your playing or or getting but there must have been a a like a uh you, you know something that was uh authentic about your pro if if you come at it genuinely curious genuinely authentic and the reason it's like that is because when i was asking questions growing up by the way we didn't have social media mm -hmm. um when i got so you didn't i didn't have access to my heroes. Oh boy, would that have been something if I could have just DM'd my, my heroes, my inspirations, and just been able to ask a question. I would have spent like two days thinking about how to frame the question so, so that I came across polite and kind and, and respectful. Um, but 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 now it's just you know, they just come at you like. Like we're just sitting on a throne all day holding court, you know, you must have had that sort of that gentle, curious approach that I would have had had I had the chance to ask someone. And and to, by the way, to this day, you know, if I, I've I've reached out to some people and, and it's just like, look, man, I, I know you're busy and I know you get these all the time and just I'm really stuck and it, it just you know, no pressure. You could answer it in one sentence if you, you have to, you, you know, but man, uh, you know, that kind of thing, right? Little humility, you, you know, and I, I'm just very responsive to that, to that approach. Um, it, it, it's not that I'm angry or dismissive of the other approach per se, but it's just like, oh man, it, I don't know. It can be exhausting at it, times. Yeah, just I try to, since there isn't so much time, I try to make time for the, for the questions that come from people that, that, that seem like I would relate to that, that I would be friends with, you know what I mean? I can just tell if, you know, I don't know. And, and, and I'm not the only one that's like that, by the way, I, you know, I, all of my friends are the same way, you know, that do this. Just, just be cool. Well, I, I have said this before as well, too. The interesting thing about social media and like friends is that it's actually not that social. Um, and it's not that friendly and it's not that, and it's not that, that friendly. So I, I think yeah. the key is to really just kind of be, uh -huh. be genuine and offer yeah. value to the people that you're, you're connecting with because they don't owe you anything back. But yeah. it's but it's but it is nice to to be like I said be able to have access to some of your heroes. I'm amazed in some of the people I've been able to connect with, particularly through these podcasts that I've never yeah. had the opportunity to connect with before, because I'm being genuine in terms of wanting to to share information and sort of tell their story. So I appreciate your time today, particularly for this, and I appreciated your time going oh. back to the MySpace page. My pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So going yeah. back to Berkeley, we've already touched up on it a little bit. I have heard you in the past say that you found that time to be particularly challenging because there was a lot of curriculum based learning. 
Yeah. And it's and it was more about getting you through the program as opposed to developing your own unique voice and building things from there. What were the positive things that you took away from your experience going back to Berkeley? Okay, good. I, that's a great question because because I don't have to rehash what I didn't like about it. Um, and uh, or, or you know, or, or what I, when I say it like it was just there was an expectation, and then and that's on me. If I had an expectation and it wasn't met, that's not really Berkeley's fault. Um, you know, I could have just been uh, wide eyed and 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 just overly optimistic about what to expect from the education. Um, and also, I've got to be careful when I talk about this because we're talking Berkeley in 1988. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what it's like now. It may be like, you know, I, I'm not speaking of, to Berkeley now. I don't know what it's like now. I haven't been back since I left in 1993. So just for the record. What I can say, and I imagine it's still this way now, what, what the, the, the magical thing about Berkeley, the, the really great thing about Berkeley, and what I kind of came awake to within, I don't know, a year or two, I, the aha moment was, okay, what Berkeley is, the real learning happens in the community. The real learning happens with your roommates, your neighbors down the hall, your friends, the people you you're bouncing ideas off of, you know, each floor had a room, had a room full of drum sheds. You, you were at any time you went to practice. There was eight other guys practicing right next to you and you saw everybody every day and you got to talk to people who were better than you and play with people who are better than you and get ideas. And, and by the way, everyone was practicing. So you know, what's funny is from age nine to 18, I didn't have much discipline pr practicing. I played a lot. I played all the time. I was in bands. I was very a very active musician. Um, as soon as I could get good enough to play songs uh, from about, you know, age 12 to, you, you know, uh, I, 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 you know, and, and I would play by myself, but that was more, I was like experimenting. I was finding my voice. I was tuning different things, but I wasn't like breaking down rudiments between my hands and feet. I wasn't working on, you know, independence as a thing. I, I kind of, you know, but so I did, I wasn't a good practicer and, and Berkeley, uh, within a day or two, I, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. I get it. We're, we're pra practice. This is a discipline, right? This was, and it, you know, and, and uh, I don't know that I ever became really good at it, at practicing, because that's its own skill. And, and I'm wired. And I don't know. I, I, to this day, I would love to have some help with that. To, to make every minute count, you know, and, and, and right. But, but it was such a good environment to 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 be around people who were also trying to be good you know most of my friends were kind of like me they weren't trying to be rock stars and all this shit they were trying to be the best musicians they could be they were trying to communicate learn the language of music and and speak on their instruments as authentically as they could everyone was curious about learning and and that's what Berkeley 
gave to me. That was the, you know, and that's to me much that completely uh, overshadows any of the disappointments in the, the formulaic uh, curriculum that they, you know, they churn you out through, you know, um, um, I highly uh, recommend it to be honest, you know, and I wouldn't be where I was today if it wasn't for my time at Berkeley, even though I can't remember one thing they <laughs> taught me, you know, I did honestly, cause right. I don't remember anything. I studied jazz for three years at a, at a college program, and I don't consider myself to be a great jazz player per se. It wasn't until 30 years after college that I really started to find a passion and kind of more of my voice and applying a lot of the skills that I went through. Yeah. So a lot of it is here's the fundamentals. You have some tools in your toolbox. Now you need to go out and be a musician for 25 to 30 years and figure out when to use which tool when and kind of build things from there. And that, and I find as a student, that often can be some of my challenges where I love to learn things. I love to add new techniques, new grooves, new components to things. But then I have to get out of student mode and get back into playing mode and take the elements that speak to me the most and right. apply them and get back to my own voice. Because I had said once in an episode that I'm probably the best player now than I have been even when I was when it was in college, but for so long with so many of the lessons and things that I took, I kind of mm -hmm. lost who I was as a player. Mm -hmm. And then I had to go back and kind of embrace the younger me with the experience and the skills that I have with the older me to kind of bring back kind of my, my well-roundness as a player, right. because it's right. important to have your own voice and your own spin on things. And the things that you loved before are just as applicable to your personal style as all of the skills that have been taught to you through college. Well, look, can I, let me interject here. Cause there's, you, the, you make an interesting point. You, uh, you bring up modes, and you talk about, well, there's the student mode and then the player mode. And there's a lot of, you know, and in, 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 the, in the student mode, you're studying and there's academia. And and and, and the, the mode that everyone leaves out is the fan, the fan of music mode, the, fa the person, the child who is who doesn't even know how to play the, the, the child who who heard music for the first time and went, holy shit. I have to, you know, for me, it was like I I was the player was born from the fan. Um, and this isn't talked about enough. And and the really great players that I've observed are such amazing fans that that you can't, I don't believe you can authentically learn any genre of music through academia alone. Look at all these great, like really richly spoken uh like like latin players you know these guys that are you know, you know that that play uh like cuban music i follow some of these guys online and it's just ridiculous how how authentically they speak and and i'm going yeah that's cuz they're not just they didn't learn that shit in a school it's in the culture it's in the air, it's in the water and the food. And, and you can see that they're just adult children uh, who love the music they're playing 
from you know they were first fans of the music and th- and they just got swept up in that and 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 that's kind of that's been for me it's always been that uh, the player was born from the fan if you don't if you can't connect what you do to 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 that fan experience because because that's what you're doing you're emulating or I'm when I'm playing I'm kind of just a I'm a hodgepodge of all of the things that I ever loved as a kid or as an adult and and I take the energy of all my you know I'll be in the studio and I'll be like oh man that sounds like something Stuart Copeland might do here you know this reminds me of of a Steve Gadd thing or or you know and I get into the spirit of that even if just just for a second you know and I'm drawing from from everything I was ever a fan of that is different than 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 studying music and and as you know, there are many wonderful musicians who who didn't quotes. I'm doing air quotes. Yeah. Study uh, in 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 academia. I'm now academia is fine, but but it it's nothing without like that raw experience. You know, when I would when I was teaching more, the first question I would have for my students, the first question is like, oh hey man, what made you want to play drums in the first place? Why, why do you even play drums? What was the what was the thing you heard? What was the experience you had that made you go, oh, my God, I've got to do this? And there's no wrong answer to that question. Um, but what I'm trying to to get to the bottom of is, is what that spark was, because I think as children become young adults, become adults, we we sort of. Uh, I don't know what teaches the, us this, but we learn to like l- disconnect from that because, you know, you're growing up, so you can't be a child. And and just, I never learned that. Y- you know, I, I like, y- you know, I play the same way now as I did when I first heard Rock Around the Clock, which was the first song that made me, that turned me from a four-year-old blob of nothing to like, I became awake when I heard that song musically, I was like, wait, what, what is this? What, what is happening here? And and that's when it was the light bulb turned on. And I've always kept that experience with me and, and for better or worse, that's what drives my playing. And, and I think it, it also, I've observed that it also drives the playing in the, in the people that I listen to as well. I can see that they're fans and just, it's just, I have to, take time to mention this because it's just not talked about enough. We talk about education. We talk about um, going to school and all this stuff. And it's like, that's cool, but it's nothing by itself. Well, as as a teacher myself, one of the things that I often find when I get students and a lot of them are younger is I'll ask them, you know, what, what music do you love? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. What, what's That's your favorite? Problematic. What's your favorite song? I don't know. Who's your favorite drummer? I I'm not sure. Whereas to me, to kind of get back to what your earlier things, one of the things that made me want to play drums was Synchronicity by the Police, because there was something so 
different and magical and powerful and exciting about Stuart Copeland's playing on that yeah. album that I couldn't get enough of that. And what, yeah. and what I got from that, you know, going back to when I was 11 or 12, I still have in my playing now that I'm 51, because that make, I listen to that and I get excited about that. There's just you know certain- why? I'll tell you, here's what here's what's exciting about that. It's dirty and it's loaded down with mischief. Yes. You know what I mean? And how is that? How do you not uh, respond to that? You know, and, you know, and you're on the right track when you granted, it's hard to ask someone what their favorite song is, because most of us have like a it's a top four, top five, or, or, you know, or, or favorite drummer. I, I can't give you one. It's like, it's, it's, it's not a peak. It's like a flat top. Yes. It's, you know, it's like the top five. It doesn't go all the way up to one. Uh, and, and so that's why I asked the question, okay, what, instead of what's your favorite, this, what's your favorite, that just, what was the thing? What was the moment that made you go, okay, I've got to play. And, and you know what I mean? And, and that's, try that with your students next time you know well and one of the things that i i have started to do is i will tell them when you come home from school and there is nobody in the house and you sit down behind the drums and there's nobody there there's always something you're going to play first because that's the thing that brings you the brings you joy <laughs> and that's what i want to hear you play because yeah. Now that you're in a room, you're questioning what to do because you're trying to play for someone else. When there's nobody in the room, there is no question about why you want to play the drums because you're playing yeah. for yourself. And that's what I want them to do. And then yeah. finally, it's it, they generally often play the same sort of things, but there's always something that makes them happy. And that's the place you want to start. Find the joy and then you can grow from there. You know what's funny? I'll, I'll be candid. I, I still struggle with that a little. I don't know that I've ever admitted this. Um, I mean, I like to think I'm at a level that I can play, uh, you know, no matter how I'm feeling, I can deliver a certain amount of the goods and it's okay, right? Um, but if, man, like the other day we we did a gig and some drummers I know, I know were there, and, and a, a lot of times I, I, I can, I'm cool. I'm just having fun, but sometimes I still get a little bit in my head. Uh, you, you know, if, 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 if someone's watching, I like to know that, 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 that I'm sort of uh, invisible I, or sometimes I make believe I'm invisible when I'm playing, but if it's hard to like, this is why I don't, do well in music stores <laughs> you know when, when we're in a music store and there's a kid I, I don't i don't i'm not the guy that really likes to to play because it's it's it, uh, i don't know i i don't i don't pl i feel like i play drums very well without the context of music um i'm not the best like sit down and rip on a drum set and blow everybody's head off I, I do my best work when I need a musical context uh, in order to, I'm not a good, great solo artist. I have, I've had to kind of like admit that I'm a, like, I could have been, but I, I don't know. I just, I was never called to do that. So I just sort of 
turned away from it, you know, um, and, and just I know what I do best, which is which is play with with um, a group. And uh, but even then, it's like even when I'm on my gig that I've been on for 24 years, it's like, oh, if I know people are looking, it's it's a, oh, man, it's a little oh, God, you know, it's OK, but I, I'd rather. It's 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 hard to be under the microscope, but it's easier to be sort of part of the whole. But, but I'm okay in the studio. In the yeah. studio, I'm fine. I'm under the microscope in the studio. In that way, uh, I, I don't. You know, they're looking at my beats in milliseconds. You know, I'm fine with that because I'm in there with my friends. You, you know, I can actually. I don't have to be at my my best per se because. Uh, I, I only play with Brad and they all know me and they're, you know, I, it's very relaxing for me to be in the studio, even though I'm under the microscope because I'm so close with those guys that it just doesn't matter, you know, but, but when there's drummers, you know, none of them's a drummer in our band, you know, and just, I don't know. It just, it still weirds me out a little. <laughs> One of the things that I think is, pretty cool about um, sort of your tenure working with Brad Paisley is that unlike a lot of the whole sort of industry in Nashville that very much has the studio aspect and then the live aspect, yeah. um, Brad likes to keep them combined. And so yeah. the members in Brad's band are the players on the records. And I believe you've been the sole or primary drummer on every single album since potentially Brad's first release? Just the first one, because he they made that in 97 before I knew him. And even then he had his band for <laughs> most of it. Even then he he just likes that thing. So well, and there's a vibe there, and I think he's a real champion for how much he loves the musicianship of the people that he works with, because it's it's yeah, it's kind of like a a community, a, a team, and I have a lot of respect for him for his commitment to really promoting and keeping his band, because that's part of the sound that he wants to project. It's part of the sound, but it's also, you know. Brad is a uh, he, he is a, a a social person in in a in a sort of a uh, what kind of, what would the context be he he he's he likes his pack mm -hmm. and he's most comfortable in that s setting and he's fine with new people but 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 you know with some if with someone else in there well then he has to be you know he we can't he can't joke around the same way with new with with the session guy that he doesn't know as well he has to maybe be on like you, you know polite patrol uh, right he with with us he can he can talk however he wants and he knows that we're he can be himself and we're not going to get offended or we're not going to, there isn't going to be a problem. He doesn't have to be like precious and polite uh, personally, because we've known each other so long, you, you know, we can just punch each other in the ribs and it's, <laughs> it's not problematic. Right. You know, he can be himself and, and boy, you, you, you can't put a price tag on something like that, you know? Um, 
for a guy like him who's a genuine artist like keep in mind he he's not just like a singer with a microphone he he he's a fucking genius man yeah. people don't realize that he he is like in the studio man he he is up when after we leave and we've been there all day he's there another four or five hours mixing stuff working on his parts he, you know he 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 he's a craftsman you you know um and uh he, he so he he's not he doesn't just show up and you know sing his but he writes everything or you know and and, and just so for he's a true artist and, and so he understands inherently the value um of, of having people in there that know him he can you know it's telepathic sometimes he doesn't really have to tell us what to play sometimes if he has a specific idea or, or or if it's not quite right of course he'll tell us but but for the most part i know what he wants without saying anything really. so there's a trust element there and you yeah. have some say in terms of the parts that you want because you've been well, working with some collaborative yeah. you know uh he has the the ultimate veto but but absolutely we're all encouraged to uh to add our voices to you know i can say all right well we'll try that but here's what i think will work ultimately or and i or i have plenty of time to go like there was a track um we did in this record that's going to come out here um i don't remember the name of it but he he had the the acoustic he had the demo or, or he was playing it and he was he was going through all these different ways it could the drums could be like ooh maybe we do a loop thing and he was really starting to kind of micromanage it by himself on just this one song it's not like all the songs go this way right but this one he was it was we in our talks about it it was almost becoming he and I were sort of just uh, overthinking it. And then I said, all right, look, before we go into all the overthinking, let me just let me just go down and just do whatever I think I would do on this song. And nobody interrupt. Like, let me play the whole song top to bottom, how I would play it without any um, guidance or any talk about it. Just just let me play this thing with full trust. And then if we hate it, we can delete it and we can start over. It's three minutes, you know? And, and, and sure enough, that was the, that was the take it. We got, it was, you know, it was one take. Um, I think we, we punched a couple things a couple days later where they were like, all right, let's give us a different fill here or whatever. But, 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 you know, it, it's, we can have that conversation, you know, and it's, it, and it's okay. That's, for him, I mean, that's got to be valuable. I, I mean, I know it is for me because I get to, I, I get to, you, you know, kind of live that dream. Uh, you know, I, 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 I do just the amount of live work I want to do and just the amount of studio work I want to do. It's all with one guy, and you, you know, I don't have to th think about it. Yeah, one of the things that I've loved about the, the shows that I've seen you play with Brad over the years is that it's it's quite 
the production is quite the spectacle. There's a lot of fun, a lot of humor in the show because that's okay. one that's a big aspect of of Brad's personality yeah. and the music he has. But it's a player's gig. It's yeah. it's a gig that isn't that the production overshadows the skills of the musicians and there's a lot of opportunities for everyone in the band to kind of collectively sort of stretch out and and just really find that joy and that and so you walk away with this you know getting back to the fun aspect it's always about going back and remembering why you're a fan and finding that joy and that's something that i find that's really obvious in that live element particularly yeah, with I, your playing as well yeah, that, that's the first order of business for me is is the the joy and the communication aspect of it you know it's almost more important to me than the notes I'll say another thing that I candid, I don't know that you'll hear from, you know, or ever hear me say again, but because of that, I would say, you know, there are some guys that play, and I swear it sounds like a hundred percent of every note is perfect. Just like a hundred percent of every note, like every note is is perfect. And I don't I maybe I'm that I, I strive for that. I, I honestly do. I strive. I'm not I never sleep on notes or the grid or my time or my phrasing or I'm I'm highly aware of, of those things. But for some reason, with all that, I feel like I'm like a 98 percent. I I can't make a hundred percent of all my notes. Like I'll hear back. I'll be like, okay, that was all good, but that one thing, you know, you, you, you know, and and that's probably because maybe I suppose because the the joy is coming first. You know, I don't sacrifice that. I'd rather sacrifice a few notes. The communication aspect and the joy, the conversation, the musical conversation is first and foremost, and and then. I suppose the notes come second and maybe I'm sure that's wrong by all metrics. Well, it makes uh, sense to me, but it's, it's the only way I can do it because if I, I don't know, I, I, I try to become a hundred percent guy. I'm still trying. Right. But, but damn it, I can't, I'm a 98% guy. I've heard you talk about this before as well. I want to go back to album number three, because there's a track on there called Time Warp. Oh, boy. That, that uh, I know was a bit of a challenge to initially sort of put together. Um, and I think Brad said his inspiration for that was just to have some fun to see what you guys actually could kind of pull off. And how did that come together? And how did you feel when he told you that you actually had to play it live as uh, well? Yeah. I think his inspiration was to not just push the band. I, I think his inspir, uh, you know, he has a like you said, he has a pretty wild sense of humor. His 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 motivation was to do something completely distasteful, right? So again, mischief. And his goal was at the time also to 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 record something that was almost, if not impossible. Uh, either for us or anyone else to play. I think he thought maybe we'd be able to play it, but he wanted to make it really hard for anyone else to play just for the raw speed. Now, I've heard some covers of it. You, you know, um, it, it, it can be done, right? So, you know, 
Uh, but maybe back in, oh, God, when was that? Oh, seven? No, 06. Maybe back then uh, before uh, social media really took off, you know, maybe we wouldn't have had any examples of people that could play it. But but um, in the studio, the way it came together was uh, was that that was sort of the mission statement. OK, let's do something completely distasteful uh, that no one can play and maybe even us. And uh, we were laughing. I mean, we laughed the whole. You can hear us laughing at the end of the track after it stops. He's, you know, they left the laughter in them. You know, um, I got. Well, I had to do my part in stages because I, I wasn't. You know, no one has that kind of really those kind of chops ready. Uh, and so. I, without training or conditioning to play that stupid fast. Um, I just wasn't ready for it physically. You know, I just, I, I don't normally play like death metal country. Right. It's just, you have to, it's not, it's not something where I was, I've ever been called to do. So I would need to work on that. Right. And so I didn't get that chance. We were in the studio. So I did the best I could. This is the way it went. I did the best I could until I fell apart and then we would punch it. And then I, I think it was for my part, it was done in three sections. So two times I had to stop mm -hmm. and my hands were bleeding, you, you, you know, and uh, but I do say I want to say that the solos, the little drum breaks, that was all part of those takes that i don't think those were punched but it was part of that third punch or that second punch and i was like i knew that there was going to be solo section coming up and i did not want to have to punch those so i just went crazy i just you know i just it's sort of like you know when you see in movies when someone's about to get into a car wreck and they take their hands off the wheel and yeah. cover their eyes it, it was so it was like that like oh my god you know <laughs> Right. And so, you know, really, really, really fast, but short drum solos. So I was like, oh, you know, and you can tell they're they're really on the edge. Everything on that track is just about to fall apart. And so then playing it live isn't a problem if we have some notice, you know, and there's muscle memory now. You know, if 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 it's been six months since we played it and, and he calls it. I can get through it. It's, you know, it's a little more painful than it, than it is when we're doing it every night because every night now I'm conditioned. It's like training for a marathon or something, you know, but it's, it's not, it's challenging to play live, but when we're doing it regularly, it's not. And then I think it was a couple albums after that, Brad recorded the play album, which I think was oh, originally, which was originally intended to be, I think, entirely instrumental. And I don't think the record company was too pleased about putting out an instrumental album, but um, Brad has a tendency of kind of standing up for what he wants. And because of the position that he's in, he has a little bit more pull than someone that doesn't quite have the same success that he, he does. But I think the album is brilliant as well. Oh, man, it's one of my a it's one of my favorites. I just went back and listened to that. And I was it was personally blown away again, not as the guy playing, but as a fan of music, I was like, there's some good music. And, and by the way, the production is really great. Like the sounds, the, um, by the way, another one like that is the Christmas album. 
great stuff on there. And I think part of it is it's just a little more relaxed than the other records because it's a fun, we, we it's not a pressure situation like, oh, we got to have four singles and the label, it's got to sell this many copies because back then you sold records. And I don't remember there being a lot of pushback from the label, um, but you may know something I don't, but I, I don't remember. I think at that point they had a great crew over there and and there was trust and and I I don't think that record cost a whole lot to make right cuz we we cut it pretty quickly and you know we maybe they spent less on it but but man we have tracks with BB King um a sort of posthumous uh, track with Buck Owens um Keith Urban we did have a single off of that which right which was cool um Start, Man, a, start a band, start I think a band. Was, yeah, yeah. and and i remember tracking that album vividly and it was so much fun because it just it sort of didn't matter you know we, we, we were just having fun and and the christmas album was the same way it was just it was so low key and and i think like the performances the grooves it's like those two records are just uh, for, personally for me, like as far as my my playing and how I want to sound, it's like those those are just like those are the best, man. I, I love I love those records, man. You know, it's been a while since Brad's released uh, an album. Yeah, we've got one. And uh, is there anything without he hasn't released it yet? But is, is there any things on this forthcoming album that in particular you found to be quite joyful to do yeah um we, and I, I, you may not be able to get into it now yeah yeah no i can i can speak around yeah no, no i think we're you know there's a song out now um uh be called called uh so many summers uh that that's on that's on spotify and they're going to release a i guess the way they do it now is they release songs on spotify first and then they they do a single to radio it's not like the old days everyone puts a song on spotify or two or three and then they do a so we're in that process it's um that song is we ha it's it's we're slowly releasing songs now and so the the thing so this record record wasn't it wasn't like uh this was recordings. This I want to say this took almost two years. Like some of these songs happened over the pandemic. And then we kind of went into high gear earlier this year. So it wasn't like one single event like record. It was this spread out over two years at least. And a lot because it was the pandemic, there were a few of them where I went in. He 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 recorded uh like a demo track with a guitar and a vocal and like a crappy bass. And then I would literally just come in by myself and play to a finished demo. And then they'd keep the drum track and then re-record it with other, like, you know, or, or there were some days we would come in to record and we were all like super separate, you know, but, but then once that was over, we did like the whole, the bulk of the record. And like one of the things to answer your question that I love about this thing is there's so much grassroots stuff on it. He he's sort of I don't want to speak for him. So, but there's sort of this uh, a little bit of an irreverence to what's going on in the mainstream. I'll put it that way, where he's he's kind of returning to just 
he, he's not trying to keep up with the Joneses per se in any way. He he's just doing the songs he would do in an organic way. And the the writing's brilliant. And there's a lot of country sounding stuff on this record, like um, with steel guitar and fiddle and right. And it's it's cool. I like I'm I'm at the point where I don't care. I don't care if he puts out top 10 singles i mean we'll have them for sure but i, I want to see him do i want to see him just do what he wants to do and have fun writing and recording songs that he loves to do for me personally i want to see him happy it gets back to your earlier point once again going back to being a fan of music and finding the joy yeah in, in, in that aspect i again that's all i relate to when i see him in that mode it's inspiring for me. And that's really all I want to see. We we're having, you know, a lot of success uh, over the years. So why, why can't we do that? And just, he can write the stuff. And by the way, the stuff also works on the radio. He's just, it's like, there just isn't that pressure to like, to keep up with all the, who, I don't know what's current, uh, you, you know, it's, it is current. Another thing that I have heard you touch upon as well, too, is trying to find a good balance in your life. In earlier in your career, you had spent a lot of time trying to promote your 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 time and yourself as a teacher and a player and stuff and a personality outside of the Brad Paisley thing during your downtime. And you have talked about that being exhausting and oh, and um and really having to kind of revisit the things that were important to you and so what is important to you now and yeah. how do, how do you like to balance your time and still that's, still stay inspired and creative that's the question i almost wish we started with uh <laughs> because uh that's probably the thing i have the most to say about uh even though i tend to be long-winded man yeah I was I was getting burned out trying to do uh, trying to keep you know as social media was blossoming. Let's call it the you know mid two thousands into two thousand ten and beyond. I was working very hard to to sort of establish a thing uh separate from brad just as a labor of love uh, just to like um just to kind of have my own thing that was just that was and part of that was inspired by brad he he's such a um a, an amazing navigator of his own thing that i was like well i would like to do that too with just my own thing i want to be the uh, the 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 ringleader of of my own little world but that was exhausting because after touring and recording i would come home and then i would spend hours upon hours just doing that and, and and my life i just got burned out and then all of a sudden and then social media just completely blossomed uh the 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 the, the pace in which that all accelerated was just something i felt like it was just too exhausting for me to keep up with. So, and so now uh, it's funny, man, I, I barely even participate. It, it, and and I got to tell you like social media, it's just noise to me. It's, it's noisy. And, and, and here's the thing. It's noisy with good stuff. Like there's so much, there's so many like 
amazing musicians and kids who are ripping, you know, on all the instruments and playing well, like, you know, some of it's just, you know, razzle dazzle, but, but there, there's so much like one, there's so much of it that even amazingness is noise. You, you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Holy shit. I can't do that. That's crazy. You're right. There's just, there's so much of an abundance of it that it's exhausting for me to, to even look at social media. Um, and, and I'm pretty much relegated. If it's not like cats and dogs or food, I'm just not interested. I, I can't, it's too much for me. And so what I've done with my page is I'm still active, but I just look at it just like an art gallery. It's just like a, like, like a gallery. So um, if I do something that I think is noteworthy, I put it up on my wall and you can look at it or not. You can hate it. You can like it. I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm done promoting things for myself. I'm not trying to be a brand and, I'm content. I, I don't need the likes. I, I don't yearn for the validation of, of someone going, hey, bro, that's awesome. Or, or you know, I, I just, it's cool. I appreciate it. You know, I'm thankful, but it's just, it's not my driving force because I, I've looked around. I'm like, man, our thing with Brad is great. He, he he seems to love me. So <laughs> that's all I need. I just simplified what I need out of life. I just need him to 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 be a fan. And, and then I've got then music's taken care of. I don't I don't need to um constantly look at my life and go, oh, what can I post about? What can I I, I just can't do it. So and and, and by the way. When I was a kid growing up, well, obviously we didn't have social media. Everything was merit-based. You, you didn't have to promote your shit. People knew you because you did something of merit. And and I've I I've always felt like that was to me, that's the pinnacle of success is that you do it, you don't have to promote it, and people know you anyway. Mm -hmm. But if I have to work to get people to know me outside of playing. I just, I don't, I don't just see the value in that for myself. And I understand that people, it's a new paradigm where you, people earn a living doing that. So I'm not knocking that. Well, that's not how I earn my living. And I, I just, I, I don't, I'm content and, and I don't want to feel like I have to promote all the damn time. You know, I, I, I do when I feel like it, I, I might make a, a cover, do a thing in my studio and be like, hey, everyone, look, uh, I'm doing this. Or, or you know, if, we're, if it's a cool venue, I'll have Rob, my tech, take, like, man, let's take some photos or video tonight. Let's, let's, let's see if we can capture it. And I'll share. It's all in the name of sharing what, what I think is cool. And, and if I don't post for a couple weeks, I don't post for a couple weeks. And, and, that's just me, you know, I, it, social media it, it is, I just find it exhausting. And and if you know me through the, you, you know, isn't it enough that I've like, I know I'm not blazing chops around the kit, but I've had a career for literally 24 years. You, you know, if that's not enough to, 
you, you know, to to get everyone to be interested, that, that that's okay. I'm I'm not gonna. I, I'm just you know, uh, I'm not gonna you, you know over try because be, be, because I need the dopamine rush of everyone thinking I'm some you know I'm I'm an A list guy. You know I I I know what I am, and, and so I, I know I don't mean to sound um, you know too irreverent about social media. I, I I do think it's valuable for a lot of people and 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 it's it's cool. I just don't see it. I, I just see a lot of people that that really overwork it, you, you know, it and it, to the point of exhaustion. And and I started that way and I just threw my hands up. I was like, nah, I don't want it that bad. You know, and so what I do now is I uh when I'm not thinking about music, I'm cooking, I'm trying to visit my friends. Um, I'm, I, I dabble in real estate, you know, I buy a house, I live in it for a little while. I try to fix it up. I, I like, I like day trading. <laughs> um, I like the stock market a lot. That's a new thing for me to learn that I'm, I'm, it's, it's like a puzzle and, uh, you know, and, and music's, music's cool. Music's good. Uh, you know, I don't have to do, thankfully it's, it's such a privilege. I, I don't have to beat the you know grind it out you know and that's the big gift that's the big luck part of this aspect of the career you know you could say the money and that's cool too and i get to do what i love and that's absolutely but the 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 thing that i think supersedes those things is that that i don't have to push so hard i don't have to be at all the happening things around town i can choose what i want to do and not feel like well if people don't see me they're not going to know i exist and all that pressure that comes with that you know i just don't have any of that and it's it feels really good one of the biggest challenges in life is starting to kind of look at the things that you think you're supposed to do and really decide hey I really need to base my life around the things that I actually want to do, because yeah. if you devote your life to the things you think you're supposed to do, you rob yourself of the joy of the things that actually make you happy. So I love the fact that you're in a place now where you seem to have a good balance and you're living the life that you want to live. Yeah. It, thank you for saying that. Um, and it's, it's, it's what I would call contentment and contentment is like, it's like an acceptance that sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not. You're not, you know, you, everyone's trying to be happy. Well, well, okay. Happiness is cool, but you can't sustain happiness. That feeling of happiness is is short lived. It's secular. It's you know, it's it's like um, and the same with being you know, unless you're you know. There's other problems, but the, you know, the average person, you're going to be happy. You're going to be sad. And, and that's, that's a cyclical yeah. uh, process. And you, you can't really hold on to either emotion for, for too long. Right. I mean, and so I'm content in knowing that, yeah, sometimes it's awesome. Sometimes it sucks. And, and, and I accept uh, either of those things. And, and uh, I, I'm generally content um, and, and it's, that's the privilege of all of it is that I don't have to, that's, that's the privilege. And, and I don't know how to, you know, I, I hope that everyone who, who tries to do anything in the arts 
can get to that point where they're they're just content. It's not elation. It's not like you're overly excited all the time. You, you know what I mean? It's not like you're utterly depressed all the time either. You, you're just content, you know. I think that is a, an incredible perspective and something that I truly try and follow myself as well too. I think that's yeah. a really good place to kind of tie things up here. Yeah, yeah. So if people are interested in either connecting, they're just seeing what you're up to these days, what's the best way to do that? Just to Instagram, Ben Caesar. That's the one I do the most. You know, I, I keep like close friends on Facebook, like people I grew up with. So you wouldn't really find me doing much there. But, um, but you know, and, you know, so I go through periods where I post more. And then some, you know, if I feel like, like I said, if there's stuff going on, I've got a little food blog and the stories. You, you know, I, I try to at least... Whatever I do, I try to make it somewhat interesting, you know, and not just self-serving, even if it's a picture of, of with a crowd like, man, isn't this awesome? Look at this. I'm trying to share something, you know, that people might like. Um, but but um, yeah, yeah. Instagram, man, that, that's that's the one I'm on. And if you have a cute dog or I'll probably follow you back, you, you, you know, so yeah. I'm I'm really excited to hear the new album once it gets released, and I yeah. really hope to see you down this way. I'm in Hamilton, Ontario. I know you've played here a number of times yeah, over yeah, the years, so I I, uh, I hope to see you again down this area, and I would love to connect with you in person if the opportunity ever came along. Absolutely. I wish you all the happiness and joy that your life is giving you, and it's been an absolute pleasure connecting with you today. Likewise. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you. Yeah. You've been listening to the Drummer's Pathway podcast. Please share and subscribe to get the word out and let's keep the discussion going. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.